0: Hey everybody, good morning. This is Harriet Kimmer with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today on our show, we are going to talk about Katie Hill. Is she the perfect victim? As you know, the controversy surrounding her resignation from Congress, she was the democratically elected representative from California. I don't know if that's important to state that. And she resigned from Congress when a scandal erupted around some nudes of hers that had been leaked to the press, to the public. And so in her resignation, it raised questions about her sexuality and privacy, and was this uh, revenge porn? And so today we're going to take another look at it from the perspective of the Me Too movement. What was the difference between Katie Hill as a perpetrator And a man in a power position as a perpetrator. So, we're going to examine that in just a few moments. But it's the week of Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is this Thursday. So, while we sit at our Thanksgiving tables and eat, and some folks are going to head off to Black Friday shopping right afterwards, let's not destroy the spirit of Thanksgiving. I find it distasteful, actually, to see folks leaving Thanksgiving to go. I I think retailers are really rapacious capitalists, for real, because they're letting people leave Thanksgiving just so they can make more money, right? As if they don't make enough money, right? And then you all are going to go shopping for Thanksgiving and Black Friday shopping. And then you're all going to be broke and can't make that rent payment in a couple of days because Thanksgiving is the 28th. Rent is due on the 1st. So I know you're all going to spend your rent money. (laughs) Right? (laughs) To buy stuff that you really don't need. Here in the Midwest, just like I thought, Saturday, the day after Black Friday, it's going to be rain. It's going to be snowy. That means you won't feel like going back out to return stuff. Watch if we don't have a polar vortex immediately afterwards. I'm one of those folks who believe. In this conspiracy theory, that they do manipulate the weather to benefit retailers. I've noticed that it's begun happening in the last two years. That the day after Christmas, when traditionally most of us would return items we don't want, all of a sudden it's a polar vortex for 10 days. You can't go back out. By that time, you're like, I can't be bothered. Right? So while we're sitting there giving thanks this week, I want us all to be thankful for what you do have. Thankful as you look around your Thanksgiving table for the people who are present. If we can lay down the knives for just a few, right, and not focus on the issues that divide us, but focus on the issues that unite us. And think about those who are serving overseas, right, those who didn't have a chance to come home and eat at a Thanksgiving table. Think about them, those who are Air Force pilots who are still flying. Those who work in the Navy, those who are in the Navy and are on right? And who have happy memories of their childhood with Thanksgiving. And those who will not be able to watch football, I feel for you. Definitely feel for you. When I lived in the Southeast, we used to watch, uh, it was the Cowboys. Now that I live in the Midwest, it's the Lions. Who suck? Major, by the way. I love the Lions, but they suck. They lost that game yesterday. They could have won that game. It was too much. And, of course, there was New England playing the Patriots, and we all knew, uh, I'm sorry, the Cowboys playing the Patriots. We all knew, uh, thank you, we all knew, hope that was going to (laughs) go. That was not going to end very well, was it? Nah, it wasn't going to end in favor of the, the, the Cowboys. By the time it got to the fourth quarter, I gave up. I was like, Forget this. I already see Super Bowl already with the New England Patriots. I no longer believe that they're a champion because you don't go to the Super Bowl all the time. It's just like watching the American Music Awards last night, right? Taylor Swift won in 2011, 2012, 2016, 2018, and 2019. With all the dearth of new artists, she still wins? No, that's not competition anymore. That's favoritism. Right? I hate favoritism. Compete. Show the person who has won based on the fact that they are the best at that category. They're the best in that position. Right? So I don't know how I can see uh Super Bowl already. It will be in Miami, so it will be warmer. So folks in Miami get a chance to do that, but it's gonna be the Patriots. No matter which way it goes, they're going to give it to the Patriots. The Patriots have paid off the NFL to win the championship. The only thing we all like about the Super Bowl is that we get together and eat more chicken wings <laughs> and eat more chips. And the snacks, y'all, I used to go way out on Super Bowl. Like, I used to do all the snacks. Man, that was when it was teams that were playing a championship. Now, with the Patriots, you don't even buy you're like what's the point in watching it what's the point if they got because the refs are so fa- in the NFL are so biased today that you look at it i watched a game with the Lions last week and I couldn't believe how the referees gave the game away to somebody else I watched a game with the New Orleans Saints last year and they took the game from the Saints to give it to the Patriots so the Patriots and jacketed so the Patriots would win it's just how I see it right So it's not even competitive sport anymore. I like competitive sport for a reason, because it shows the true athleticism of the individual. So the people who emerge as the winners, it's because they really worked hard to win. Nowadays, that doesn't seem to be the problem. That doesn't seem to be the concern or the cornerstone on which championships are built. Championships are built not on the playing field of sports, but in boardrooms and on golf courses, and in locker rooms, and in bars, and in strip clubs, and spas. That's where championships are won, when people pay people so that they can advance their team and their cause. It is what it is. They don't like it, and so what? They're going to continue to do it until the public says enough of this, until we say, I'm not going to watch any more Super Bowl if it's the New England Patriots anymore. I'm not going to watch any more NFL games If the referees continue to be skewered, they don't like certain teams. They don't play levelly. They advance certain teams because they're jockeying it up so that only certain teams are going to end up at the end in the championship. And to make it seem like the rest of us are idiots. Come on. Enough is enough. I I don't know what happened to America. What happened here? Did money suddenly, I mean, we were always a capitalist society. We were always a group of rapacious capitalists. We recognize that. But what happened? We kind of used to just let it go, let the game go where it goes. But now, no. What happened to us? We, we just suddenly all of a sudden just become this this universe where people are, are, are just simply uh just doing stuff. I don't know. Something went wrong. And I don't know right? So today on our, on our show, we, I want to talk about, I, I spent a number of minutes there that I didn't plan to, but I felt like I feel like this is something that needs to, to, to be discussed. If if competitive sports is what it is it's designed to be, which is to be competitive, then we need to let competition reign so that the person who wins is the person who won because they played to win. Not because your mama and your daddy owned uh, Sears or something and paid off somebody to win, right? It, it's it's across the country. You're, they're not getting enough young recruits to play football anymore. It's going to be a dying sport. People don't want their sons to play football because people have become, I don't know, mummy or something. Uh, I don't want my son to play contact sports. Then what do you want him to play? Video games where he's going to sit on his hind haunches and not engage in sports? sports is a level playing field sports brings out the competitive spirit in all of us it makes you strive to be the best if we're all the same if we're all nobody is going to nobody emerges as the winner then what's the point i went to a competition recently and everybody who participated got a medal so the person who there was no winner everyone got went home with a medal that that was just didn't make any sense to me so what was the point in competing Where is the goal? You need competition. Isn't that what capitalism is? Yeah? We're still capitalists or we changed. Maybe they changed overnight on me and I didn't get the memo, right? I think that's what happened. I didn't get the memo, so they changed, right? So today I want to talk about the Me Too movement and I solicit your uh, uh, responses and your feedback because I want to talk about uh, from the perspective of how the Me Too movement is not perfect and how in identifying who is a victim and perpetrator Is not always so clearly defined uh, Sexual assault is is sexual assault, right, but it a sexual assault claim needs a victim for it to be assault, right? It's not just me identifying the perpetrator the victim too has to step forward. In Katie Hill's story, what we have found is that she's a woman in a position of power. So what they did in creating this scenario around her, they made it sound as if she was a woman who took advantage of her staff member. The fact is that that relationship began before she ran for Congress. It was a consensual relationship. And what is most notable is that the, the woman, the, the third person in the relationship never stepped forward. She never said, well, she took advantage of me because she was a woman in, in a position of power. She never came forward to file a claim of victimhood or to identify herself as a victim. Whereas with men, it's different. Typically, we learn of these situations when the victim comes forward to identify the man. The other unique thing about it is that Katie Hill was not in a position of power when she was in the relationship. So what they did was they clouded the issue, so you forget. It's kind of like smoke and mirrors. You forget what the issue is. Now, what happened with Katie Hill is that a jealous husband, a husband who was angry that she told him she was finished with the relationship, he leaked the news. So you know you're in a relationship and it's consensual, so you take pictures of one another because you enjoy seeing one another and it turns you on or gives you a thrill, I don't know, to see each other naked on film or to store it for posterity, I like to think. And so Katie Hill took that picture. Her husband leaked those mutes. So then we became aware that there was a third person in their relationship. And it was, we referred to it as revenge porn because her husband was angry that she had broken up with him because he was going to lose his vaulted position, right? I also think he he was jealous. He was just jealous that she was still going to retain her position of power and he was going to be a nobody. See, up until that time, he was her husband. But suddenly now, he's going to be nobody. People have issues with that. Right? So when you look at it, you, you have to really ask yourself, was this really a Me Too scenario or was it not really? It doesn't fit the dynamic and it doesn't fit the de- traditional definition of sexual assault because there was no victim. Who is the victim? In fact, what it did was it showed Katie Hills, the perpetrator, as the victim. The alleged perpetrator is the victim because she didn't leak the pictures, a jealous lover did. A jealous ex-lover did, right? A jealous ex-lover created a scandal to remove her from her position of power. And this is interesting because in a lot of cases, when we look at these situations, we tend to see a certain bias towards the victim, right? Sometimes it's judgmental, sometimes it's society who is saying, well, the victim put herself in that position in the first place. She should never have done that. Or we say things, or you know, society says things like, well, why did you wear that short skirt? Or why did you walk down there knowing that? Well, you were in the room with him. You wanted to be famous, so you knew that's what it took. So why are you quarreling about it now? So we, it, it, traditionally, we engage in victim blaming and blame the victim." Now, the dynamic between, the dynamic of being a victim is, is is kind of interesting to study. I find it interesting to study because in my exposure and experience to victims of sexual assault, what I have often found is that some, invariably it takes the victim years to overcome what happened to them. This is why we never hear about it in the moment because the victim takes a while to process and to deal with it. That's the first thing we have to understand about sexual assault. Sexual assault is intensely personal. And for the person who has been violated, they have to overcome their own fears of derision from the rest of us. And they have to overcome their own fears of rejection, sensitivity, the feeling of losing your safety the feeling of losing the power over yourself as if somebody could just attack you and so on. If you don't believe me, imagine that you go home one day and as you drive up to your house, you realize your house has been broken into. So you run into your home to look if your valuables are still in place. And when you realize that the things you value are the things that were taken, that sense of lack of safety and violation, stays with you for a long, long time. And you don't even realize that you start becoming a victim. You go through the motions, you report it. You call your security company, you call your, you know, you call your insurance company, you call the police, you do all of that. But at the end of the day, your sense of safety has been violated. Your sense of power over yourself has been violated. That's what makes the victim dynamic interesting to study because we are, we've become accustomed to seeing victims emerge years later. And we often say, well, why didn't you say something before? I'm not talking about manufactured claims. I'm talking about the real victim. So, more often than not, most victims of sexual assault never come forward. They don't want to face going public, the public humiliation and shame associated with something that has happened to their person. The public humiliation and shame associated with others name calling them. Right? And so victims of sexual assault come forward. So, in this mix, we throw this woman, Katie Hill, who was a, 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 an elected representative. And at first, this story that was the story around her wanted to sound like it, she was a perpetrator, but then where was the victim? Who is the victim? after a while, it began to emerge that she is the true victim. She's the true victim of a power structure that says, that because, that tried to make it seem that women too, take advantage of men. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I have, anybody ever watched that show, uh, that movie Disclosure? Anybody? Go look it up. It might, I don't know if it's on Netflix, but Disclosure. It's with Michael Douglas and Demi Moore and it's about a woman in a position of power who sexually harassed her male junior employee. She wanted sex from him and she used her position of power to extract sexual favors. Well, that's what they were trying to say about Katie Hill. But the alleged infractions took place before she was a member of Congress. Everybody was all on the same level, except her husband who felt that he was jerked around because she said no. You know what that also tells us as women? That whenever we choose to exit a relationship, if it's our choice to exit the relationship, we are often vilified and pilloried. Show me a woman who has left a relationship who has not been called a B, a W, and a C. Show me a woman who has left a relationship who has not been victimized and pilloried, I can't begin to tell you what they called me in court because I chose to call the police on someone who was threatening to kill me and who had a knife to my wrist. I still ended up being victimized. I had no idea the extent to which I had been victimized until I left the marriage. Anytime a woman says no, she's called a bee. Anytime a woman says no, she is victimized. Why? Because we live in a culture where women are often seen as we're just supposed to open our arms so our breasts are constantly on display and open our legs so the people who choose to want to enter our bodies, they can have the choice to choose, but we don't have a choice. As far as I'm concerned, I don't give a care if Katie Hill slept with two men or two women. That was her choice. She was an adult. She was not having sex with children, right? That was her choice. So whomever she slept with, that was her choice. Clearly, the people whom she slept with, she obtained their consent because they didn't come forward to say, well, I felt victimized. Even with all the grand stories surrounding it, they stayed in the background, not because they internalized being a victim, but because they knew the truth of the matter was, I consented to that. But text messages later revealed that it was the at the, it, the instigation of the husband. The husband was the one driving it. Why? Because he felt he had been wronged because he wasn't going to get what he wanted anymore. He had two willing victims. Anybody who is the power in that relationship was the husband. He had two willing victims. He had two women who performed for him and did whatever he wanted to carry out whatever ludicrous fantasies that he might have had. Some of you are looking at me like, you think they were ludicrous? Well, yeah. He got what he wanted. If anybody was pushing the power envelope, it was the husband. Right? And when he no longer was going to get it, he decided to take revenge. How many women have been victims of revenge porn? How many women have left relationships and men have threatened to expose your pictures? As far as I'm concerned, go put it out there on the internet. I don't care. How many women? It happens more often than you know. They have sites for that, where they can put your picture up because you say no. Because a woman says, no, I'm not going to do this. No, I'm not going to do that. Right? Daily. Absolutely. How many women? How many women right here in Detroit, right now, we have an epidemic of violence against women. Just a few days ago, I think it was yesterday, on my Facebook page, someone posted a picture of a guy who stole his girlfriend, his pregnant girlfriend's car and her rent money. I kid you not. And then left her in a lurch. The epidemic of violence against women. She feels powerless because more than likely he has threatened her with a gun. It's not unusual. They're going to enforce their power with all kinds of threats. Men in power who are uh, who like to pontificate. Yeah, it was on my Facebook page, right? It was uh, published by one of my Facebook friends, right? Men in power pontificate. And as long as you're willing to do what he wants, he's fine. But the minute you say no, he's like, bitch, don't call me. Don't talk to me. I'm going to show you and expose you for the W that you are. I kid you not. This happened. A A friend of mine did that recently. And I was appalled because he was my friend. I expected him to treat the woman better just because. But because the woman chose to leave the relationship, he's going to show up at our house and call her a W and a B. And he's on the phone with me telling me why this. And I said, whoa, slow down. You knew this before. Why are you now calling her? Because she decided to pull up the brakes. She decided she doesn't want anymore. Walk away. I'm like, walk away. That was not what he wanted me to say. He stopped talking to me. Because I didn't say what he see the power and control. So he wants to exert control over a ten-year. We've been friends for maybe more than eleven years now, right? It's been a while, right? So he wants to exert power and control. And because I didn't espouse and support his foolishness in vilifying a woman whom he had entertained, I was like, "You knew what she was when you got into it, but now she doesn't want to." So I said, be careful, keep showing up at our house. One day her neighbors will call the police and they will lock you up. Is that when you're gonna call and ask for bail? Right? Do you see what I'm saying? These things happen. And as folks, I believe part of this too has to do with the fact that somebody is saying something. Jews be be in there nowadays and they're the dangerous ones. Yeah. Right? The game has to change. We have to get back to civility. I I, I was reading something on my Twitter feed yesterday that I think I retweeted. But somebody said, guys, he said, actually said, guys, we need to get back to the stage where we treat women like women. I'm quoting him. I'm paraphrasing what this man tweeted. He said, we have to get back to the stage where we treat women like women. He said, I'm tired of pulling up at the gas pump and seeing a woman pumping gas while a grown man is sitting in the seat and seeing her struggle with bags while a grown man is walking with his head in his phone. I wanted to hug him. It's something I see all the time. A woman pulls up at the gas station and the man is sitting in the seat while she's pumping the gas. I see it all the time. She's struggling with bags and he's walking with his hands free. It's almost as if we are, we don't exist, except when a man wants to have sex with a woman, that's when you exist. Oh, you're there? Okay, open your legs. I'm coming in. And when she says no, she's a bitch. She's called a W. She's called a C. She's called every name in the book. Sometimes today, I wonder if men have forgotten how to be men. When we women are looking to men for to make us feel safe, to protect us, where are they? The only time we see men is when they're either hungry for food or hungry for sex. We don't see them when it's bill paying time. There's an ad running on TV for Aflac. You all should watch it. And part of the app, the guy, you know, goes to the university for a tour. And they show a flick of him and says, here you are paying bills. And his partner, his female partner, turned to me and said, you look good paying bills. And, you know, he kind of just glowed a little. And I'm like, would that, that that's the story of most women today. I wish men would get back to being men, being the protectors of women. Here, as I've said in Detroit, it's an epidemic. Men kill women. They kill it, you, you can never fail. The minute a woman says, I, I'm not going to be with you anymore for whatever reason, she's a dead woman walking. Right? Let me see now. So here in Detroit, crimes against women is getting really out. Uh, social media has played a major role in this problem. Yep. Right? You here it's It's totally out of control. I tweeted the mayor and the governor yesterday, who are part of the establishment, about what are they going to do? about the violence against women in Detroit. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to talk about it till something is done. There has to be there has to be something that can be done. Do we need to lock people up more? Do we need to people who come out on parole, should they be tagged? Should they be watched? A, a 16 year old girl was talked by a guy who got off of parole in March. And she, he's 28 and she's 16. He developed some fixation for her. She walked into the police department to provide the police with the name of this guy. And they did nothing. This happens all the time. Women file a report and nothing happens. We're treated like we don't exist. Oh, oh, really?